Queer Theory is my boyfriend. Hi, hi, and welcome to Queer Theory is my boyfriend, an audio lecture slash discussion starter made in service of English 3321, literature and film, 90s new queer cinema. Views of this podcast are my own and do not reflect those of Texas A&M, Corpus Christi. We've moved online. Yikes on bikes. So I'm making this podcast, and my goals are to highlight some important moments in the queer theory assigned for the course. I'm titling these dumb little overviews, Queer Theory is My Boyfriend, as number one, a joke, and number two, a sort of real desire to show how we can get familiar and intimate with theory. Ask the question, can we have a relationship with theory? Academic theory can be very overwhelming and intimidating, and I totally get that. But it was through theory, uh, specifically crip, queer, and feminist theory, that I gained access to a way of thinking about myself and learned language to sort of love myself as a queer disabled man, and I want to share that. So today on what I'm titling this as Chrononormativity in Captivity, let's think about Elizabeth Freeman's Time Binds, Queer Temporalities, Queer Histories, Film Editing, and how this might relate to Todd Haynes' Poison. Do you got a body? Are you living in that body right now? I'm so sorry. One of the ways that that body has meaning is its incorporation into temporal modes of regulation. That is to say, your body has meaning and use because it exists in time. Freeman wants to tell the story about how bodies become incorporated into dominant modes of time as scheduled by calendars, reproductive time, work time, and nationalist goals of progress. While some bodies work very well within those linear and cyclical timeframes, other bodies very much do not. Freeman, quote, tracks the ways that non-sequential forms of time can also fold subjects into structures of belonging and duration that might be invisible to the historicist eye, end quote. Sequential time, time built on forward-thinking, forward-minded linear progress, secures a sense of belonging for a lot of folks in the normate. Heteronormative time, built on the idea of development, growth, marriage, reproduction, makes people feel like they are on the right track, right? They belong, they fit. But for those of us living non-sequential lives, how does time make us feel off or out of joint? If we're not on time, how do we feel like we fit in society? For Freeman, being off time might offer us a different way of feeling and being, and that's a good thing. Freeman identifies that normal or straight culture is bound by a certain chrononormativity. She writes, quote, naked flesh is bound into socially meaningful embodiment through temporal regulation. Binding is what turns mere existence into a form of mastery in a process I'll refer to as chrononormativity, or the use of time to organize individual bodies towards maximum productivity, end quote. All right, let's break that down. Quote, naked flesh is bound into socially meaningful embodiment through temporal regulation, end quote. Your flesh vehicle, that thing that you're living in, that you're piloting around, only means anything because it has social use through the way it travels in time. Under chrononormativity, that time is designed to make your body the most productive, the most useful. Work schedules, calendars, school systems, things that schedule when your body needs to be. And the danger is that such a regulation seems and feels natural, right? Of course we follow this timetable. What else is there? Isn't this the way it's always been? These dominant modes of time, quote, seem natural to those they privilege, end quote. So for Freeman, queer perspectives, which historically do not fit in line, allow us to see something natural as actually a construction. And if we can't, and if we can take individual bodies and their schedules in time and match that up with other bodies, well, now we're thinking about, quote, chronobiopolitics. Freeman writes, quote, People whose individual bodies are synchronized not only with each other, but also with larger temporal schema, experience belonging itself as natural, end quote. 
Larger temporal schema include marriage, reproduction, money-making, saving for the future, inheritance, the passing along of property. Modes of living that seek to secure a good life, i.e. a productive life. For Freeman, quote, this timeline serves as a nation's economic interest too. In the eyes of the state, this sequence socioeconomically productive moments is what it means to have a life at all, end quote. One way to think about chrononormativity is think about where we are now. Pardon my French, but uh, a time is fucked up. And we thought about this a little bit with Daniel Defoe's Journal of a Plague Year. Normative time, economic time, family time are all irrevocably disrupted by plague time. When you don't have a regulated schedule, chores, work, school, child care, do you feel a different sense of belonging? When capitalist and nationalist agendas are urging us to get back to, quote, normal, that is to say, opening businesses to secure an upwardly mobile stock market, another form of a line, and can't imagine America out of time, Freeman's claims about chrononormativity and chronobiopolitical systems feel really relevant. So film is an important part of Freeman's archive, and I love that for us. Think about her claim in the preface. Quote, film then creates a historically specific shared temporality, setting limits on how long the spectator can dwell on any one subject or experience any one story, and thus socializing, or we might say binding, the gaze. End quote. So that is to say, because of the nature of film, to control our gaze and our engagement with the narrative, film may naturalize certain fantasies. Think of uh, Podovkin's on editing from film technique. He writes that editing and montage are about, quote, guiding the attention of the spectator now to one, now to the other separate element. The lens of the camera replaces the eye of the observer, end quote. The camera is our eye. He later writes that film structures are, quote, a compulsory and deliberate guidance of the thoughts, end quote. So what happens if the compulsory guidance is rooted in compulsory heterosexuality? What about alternative to the ways we've been socialized through temporality? Experimental film might offer as models for rethinking chrononormativity and its effects on socializing sexuality. Freeman's chapter Queer and Now begins by thinking about Nguyen Tan Wong's video KIP, a remixed best of compilation of vintage porn star Kip Knoll, to show how time, media, and form are connected to sexuality and sexual experience. She writes that KIP, quote, links the malleability of filmic time to the sexually experimental body, end quote. Freeman sees queer temporality as visualized by disruptions, delays, hiccups, repetitions, as a way to de-socialize that gaze. So in terms of Haynes's poison, where might we look to see our gaze as having been de-socialized? Where does Haynes's sense of time provide alternatives to chrononormative frames of use and the utility of a body, to chrononormative frames of pleasure, and the idea of the future? All right, poison. The content's brutal. It's three narratives stitched together revolving around the themes of sex, pleasure, and violence, suggesting that the boundaries between these things aren't as stable as they could be. So how do Freeman's claims about queer temporality help us make sense of the killer sex leper in the horror Hero, the true crime-esque documentary about a young boy, himself the victim of abuse, probably sexual, who murders his abusive father, is all a flashback, right? It's people thinking about the past after the boy has disappeared, trying to uncover the truth about his sexuality and his motives. Homo is perhaps the hardest um, thread of the film to watch for me, as it frames male-male intimacy through the violence of prisoner rape both in its present, but also the highly stylized flashbacks of a juvenile detention facility where young John Broom witnesses the sexual assault and humiliation of young Jack Bolton, only to reenact that sexual violence in the present with the climactic rape scene. 
So content-wise, we're totally thinking about sex and time. But on the level of form, we're thinking about that too by choosing to edit three narratives by taking us out of time with each new scene, the film as film is denaturalizing sense of belonging that would be naturalized through chrononormativity. While watching it, I'd encourage you to find moments that visualize queer temporality in the editing and the use of flashback and its repetition. And think about how this film orients us differently to orientation. So this is why I do what I do. When Freeman explains the use of queer theory, she writes, quote, queer theory then pays attention to the gaps and losses that are both structural and visceral, the all too real limits presented by the stigmatization of AIDS, by violence against lesbians and gays, by the unbearable heaviness of the gender binary. Queer theory also describes how specific forms of knowing, being, belonging, and embodying are prevented from emerging in the first place, often by techniques that intimately involve the body, end quote. Y'all, so that's what I wake up and I want to think about. I want to think about new, better, more liberatory ways of knowing, of belonging, of just being in a body, yo. And if we want to imagine and enact alternatives, what if the way out is reading cool theory and watching some cool movies? Thank you for joining me, and uh, tune in next week for Sex, Violence, and Anal, when we address the age-old queer theory question, is the rectum a grave? Thank you so much. Queer Theory is my boyfriend.